0: Tabletop time. I'm Rob, and I play Brick, the failing cool bodyguard who was recently released from servitude.
1: Kinda. And I'm Dave, and I play Delvin. And Delvin's a charming and fairly warm and gentle fellow from the barrows up north who has recently done a spate of stabbings. <laughs>
2: My name is Jen and I play Catalina, uh, a kick-ass awesome Denissian woman who broke her harp in order to save her friends and is learning about the power of magic and friendship and hearts. Mm -hmm. Yep.
3: And I'm Jazza, the narrator of this series, and I'm very excited to be entering the world of Inspire one more time before we take a season break and leap into the Reboot universe for Season 2. So those of you who haven't joined us for Season 1 of Reboot, uh, you can watch the playlist. I'll link it in the description to recap. We're also going to do a little bit of a recap so that if you want to join and you don't mind spoilers, we'll line it up so you can listen along with us from Episode 1. We're all very excited. And there are a couple of huge developments that we're very excited about. One of them... Well, okay... We've redone our whole room and you can't tell, but you'll see with uh, with the reboot season two, it'll all come to fruition. But one of the ways it's going to come to fruition is through the minis that we're going to be playing with that will transition onto the screen. There we go. Look at that. So go and show it off. This is live. This is live little shot. So this is a sample. These are actually our Iron Spy minis. And uh, this is how we're going to be able to bring up everything to the next level starting with reboot season two Uh, and it's just a really fun way for us to up our production values bring in in the creative talent and artistic talent from the tabletop uh minis channel and we have a lot that we're cooking up for reboot but this is just a little taste test and all of this is made possible uh thanks to your support uh through everything we've done so far it's been barely over a year Mm. so this is our first ever second season Uh, And also a huge illustration as to how we're able to up up the value of everything with your support. And one of the ways you can support us is actually by supporting the poster that was actually on the screen just a moment ago. I'm just going to bring that back for a second because it's super freaking cool. This was created by Alicia. We are hand signing these uh, later in this session tonight. Um, so that's a limited buy you can go to the link in the description to go check those out um, and like the reboot ones were limited and you can't get the season one ones anymore these will be limited so if you want to support us uh, in our future endeavors go check those out in the link in the description but otherwise this is our chance to re-immerse ourselves into the world of I inspire one last time mm. and the epilogue what does the epilogue mean to everyone uh, what, do you ex- what do you want from this? What do you want from me, you guys?
0: <laughs> I feel like it's a good idea to be able to wrap up what our characters learned and went through in season one and set the stage for what they're going to try and achieve in season two. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. I just want to know that our sausage is okay. That's kind of my primary objective, really. So. I
1: think there's a few loose ends that aren't the kind of like cliffhanger loose ends. They're just loose ends that I think if we don't tie it up, will we'll kind of be forgotten about in season two so yeah yeah just a few satisfactory murders yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> we uh we had a lot to focus on in the big finale episode and mm. by the time everything that everyone was chasing through was accomplished to sort of you know achieve that satisfaction and, and get that little little bit of relief before the big break and coming back later uh That's why we're coming back for this. This is in lieu of a beach episode. I don't think that necessarily suits Iron Spire, but it'll be a fun chance to revisit some characters before we put it on the shelf for another six to eight months and move on to the reboot universe. So, where we left off, there was a late meeting. I'm going to say, I think it was about four in the morning from memory. It was like very early in the morning after the calamity that was taking place in Geldervale. And the party was gathered along with their allies uh, in a secretive place, I think, found by Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, bear on to get together and chat. Medela was rescued and mm. is actually in a reasonably recovering state, all things considered a miracle. And uh, everything that party set out to achieve was achieved. But the world has now turned upside down in the same evening. As the evening progresses after this meeting, the party sort of heads out, gathers their things and uh, the discussion had taken place that everyone would head uh, north to the Barrows at least to reconvene uh, and figure out what their next move is because it's clear to everyone that things are going to be a bit different now and they need to figure out who their friends are and what their plans are. And it's in this time that uh, I'm going to let you all just sort of share with me what your priorities are, what you want to do before. Everyone heads north. Um, I don't think, Catalina, that you had a chance to see your dad or say goodbye, mm-hmm. uh, but he was going to move on to, to your mother and he's staying in the Phoenician okay. uh, pol- political district. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what's everyone thinking? Where are you at? We've got. You a may want a, a little bit of rest, but also the city is quite restless at the moment. So it could be a chance to investigate. It could be a chance to find uh, people or, or close loops or uh, organise transport of a pony for example I think we need,
1: <laughs> we need to basically leave the city fairly quickly to use the commotion to kind of disguise everything that's gone on including the escape of several watchers.
3: So yeah. the meetings come to a close mm-hmm. um, people have divided fairly quickly uh, who's the Sartre mm-hmm. she's, she's headed off quite briskly after dealing with everything and she's taken what she handed over to you to gather the power she's headed off um, and Russell sort of sidles up to you, to you all as you um, gather together. Ma- Medela at this point is fast asleep in your arms, Brick.
1: We'll need to pack up fairly quickly, I think, get out north. So you've got any loose ends to tie up in the city, I'd suggest you do so.
3: Transport might be an issue. I'm not sure that we can take the Greyguard or Guard transport up to the Barrows without being a problem.
1: That's all right. Lads, I referenced the. Oh, they're from the Watchwood, aren't they? They, A they, of they yeah. were. Yeah, they weren't from Galdevale. Um, is uh, Dariot and uh, and our old mate, our best friend, are they both conscious?
3: Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, do you know what? I'm gonna roll for this. This this one is interesting. I'm only gonna roll for Ainsley. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna roll for Dariot. I won! I
2: saw that!
1: So,
3: is it good for him that he's conscious or good for him that he's He's unconscious? The destiny rolls are for the party. Okay, so it's bad. It's really bad for the party. Oh, okay.
1: So that could be either, because it's up to you. It's either he's conscious and difficult or he's unconscious, which is also difficult because I wanted to steal his I'm, I'm
3: going to do one more roll. This one's for me, and I'm not going to tell okay. anyone the result, okay? Just saying in my head what's going to happen based on either determination. Yep. Okay. Um. That's where we're going to leave it for now. We'll come back to that. But he, seem, he seems unconscious. unconscious. Ainsley seems unconscious in the stone room that you all had the meeting. You're sort of taking for granted his shackled neck uh, and <laughs> shoulder yeah. tied up in Brick's former uh, chokehold. Mm-hmm. Dariet is also unconscious but drugged unconscious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's sort of easy to keep track of but extra floppy. Um, so what were you exploring? Sorry. <coughs> <clears throat> Well,
1: in the commotion, there might be a few people. Um, uh, we need some known associates. I was thinking we could take one of Ainsley's carriages. I'm sure he's got one, at least under his ownership. Even though he was a bit of an agrophobe, he's got to have people that get places. And if we could find that, I'm no sure one's I can. It.
3: Sure, I can get on top of where he stores them. That shouldn't, shouldn't be a problem. No one will miss what's his end. Does he have like a keychain or something like anything on him that. He'll have bits and pieces, but if anything, like such a high level noble in the city has a reputation. They would sort of have places these things are kept. And uh, especially because it was so tied in with the guard, mm-hmm. uh, Russell's confident. Uh, and he says, I'm, I'm fairly certain three hours from now I could have a card waiting for us all. Right.
1: Excellent especially with um,
3: one of his owned on-paperwork
1: servants capable of helping you if you need it. Cool. cool.
3: That's my thoughts anyway. Well, that's an interesting thought, come to think of it. Ownership. Oh, I, I take it from the discussions that I've ever heard that you uh, are considered free amongst this group. Is that right, Brick? Mm.
0: Free from my bonds, but maybe not free from my duties just yet.
3: Very well. What is certain is that the world at large would not understand a free phalancle, at least as of yet. So it might be worth understanding at least with how you all interact with the world. Who is seen as in charge of Brick? A worthy discussion, but I will uh, leave you to it. I'll see you in three hours in the Northern Wall. Good luck, friends. I nod towards uh, Madeyla and her aunt,
1: and I say softly,
3: wait, wait. "Was it? Was it aunt there? I don't."
1: She know. was in town still. We're waiting I, to meet up with us.
3: Okay, but I don't think she was in the meeting. Okay, I nod because if Daria was there, Medela. she'd be. Yeah, yeah.
1: I nod <laughs> towards sleeping Madeyla and okay. say, "Um." Well, my understanding is, with Ainsley out of the picture, the contract should revert back to her former owner. So, I guess, legally, we can have you assigned to whoever you want, Brick. If that is what is needed, do not. it shall be that. Maybe we make up a fake person. I don't know.
3: New, New ground to tread, anyway. You notice, sort of, behind, uh, purposefully, out of your view and behind you is Mikey. He's not asleep; he's awake, but he's really quiet and he's been avoiding your gaze. He's been present in the conversations, but it's been, has uh, been carrying an air of, of shame and and um, he's, yeah, been avoiding eye contact.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't acknowledge him.
2: Oh, I'll go over to Mikey.
3: It sort like of eyes you up and down and uh, hesitates
2: so uh I, perhaps we should go find travel passage for your pony
3: Wait, you mean sausage
2: mm-hmm
3: <laughs> But he's not back in crackmouth
2: uh no I, he's in Break-o-beb, some bake, other bake town break. that that one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, he's, he's, well... Dragged his short little ass
3: all the way to Bakerbury?
2: Yeah, yeah. He walked? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> with some assistance, yes.
3: Now, why'd you go and do that?
2: I couldn't just leave him behind.
3: Yeah, you could have, though.
2: We couldn't just leave you behind.
3: He just looks down at his feet.
2: I kind of give him a pat on the shoulder. Um... And kind of gesture like we'll go sort that out together real quick um
3: he nods he's compliant but you can tell like he's just super like yeah. ashamed yeah
2: mm. <clears throat> um I have a very quick question yeah so the butterfly that I have oh secured. yes okay
3: you have had since that moment mm-hmm. a magenta but color shifting faesque butterfly okay. floating around you Okay. That you have not had the chance to properly commune mm. with yet, given the calamity. Yeah. But now that things are easing, you're very aware of just a, an unconscious tether. Like you can feel what it, it's how it's moving. You, okay. Like when it's flying behind you, you know exactly where it is behind you. It's just sort of, it's bonded to you. Okay. And it feels like the magic you've always had, except it's not within you before as it was before,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it's um, but it's connected to you in the same way. Okay. Can Even more so in the sense that you can emotionally interact with it.
2: Okay. Can other people see it?
3: Now, I'm going to say at this point, oh, okay, I'm going to get you to roll the destiny. Let's okay. – let's uh, or I know you're burnt out with your magic, aren't you? Let's roll destiny yeah. for now.
2: A 16.
3: Okay. That's really – that's quite good. I'm going to say you become aware quite quickly – that um, you're sort of in charge of it. It's not a dominating kind of relationship. It's one of respect. It Mm -hmm. knows that you wouldn't harm it. Yeah. You've actually got years of relationship building that seems to just be here. Okay. So you feel like in, in little moments where you've thought you've turned to brick and, you know, it's been in the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've just sort of thought that and it's just sort of gently moved or it's like glided around. And like as you've noticed this peripherally, you've thought, I wonder if, and upon that thought it would float around to the other side of you. And it's like this, almost like these gestures of of request internally or like mentally that it obliges to. Okay. And then when you have on occasion thought to yourself, I wonder if this would get me in trouble, Mm. it sort of fades, it sort of absorbs within you and disappears. Okay,
2: all right, cool, yeah. cool. Because that was my biggest worry, was walking around with yep. this, like, <laughs> fey thing popping out. All right, cool, awesome.
3: And as you, you know, ha- wrap up your conversation with Mikey, he flits his eyes back up and, and says, why, why is that thing?
2: Oh, uh I, uh I guess I've made a new friend or a, maybe met an old one. I'm not really sure.
3: Do you commune anything to it? Do you want it to do anything or is it within you? What it, while, like you can't, you're can't? you kind of telling me what it does is so what I'm sort of saying. So while,
2: while everyone was having their conversations, I think that Catalina would have been a bit like, what is this? Um, and yet tried to sort of see what she could do, probably learn exactly what you've said and then mm-hmm. kind of see if it can communicate with her at all. Mm-hmm. Like does it have a face or anything or is it just like...
3: It's, it's like in the Navi sense of like you... Maybe, okay. but you really can't tell. really see it. It's sort of ethereal okay. or, or translucent. It's like it feels amorphous in a sense, and yet it feels like it has a shape, which is... Okay. You, you can see wings, cool. but not in any great detail.
2: Okay. Did I.
3: It's beautiful, but you're not sure why.
2: Okay. So I try to, first of all, ask it a question telepathically to see if it can understand what I'm saying, to say, what are you? And then also try to show an emotion in myself that is like, uh like i'm super happy great and see if either of those uh cause a reaction
3: cool in response you almost in an uncanny way feel like you're sort of talking to yourself so you communicate this Uh but the response you get is sort of like if it were words it would be something like i am us But you don't hear it as conscious words. often in the same way we don't hear our own thoughts as conscious words, Mm -hmm. but you feel exactly what it was trying to say back to you. There is no barrier in communication between this presence that now has a presence and your thoughts. Okay. Cool. And then as you reach out with your feelings, Mm -hmm. with this being its native language, its purpose, you feel within that the very... The very nature of your bond with it. Emotion is how it sees the world, understands and experiences everything. And when you reach out to it with a feeling, it understands it implicitly. Okay. And feeds back whatever you would need it to or want it to or expect it to.
2: Okay. Interesting. All right. I'll just keep sort of like while we, I go off with Mikey, I'll just keep sort of trying to channel it and understand it a bit better.
3: Okay. As, you, as you're as you exploring this, and that you, this is all within moments of, mm-hmm. of this end of conversation with Mikey and maybe he sort of turns away and kicks at the ground a little bit, you also may have the inclination or realisation that it's not just your emotions that this thing might connect to and you're aware of Mikey's emotional state. Okay. So I will say that occurs to you. You may choose to do something with it now or not. Sure. But I just thought I'd point that out. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you've got three hours. Everyone can choose to do what they will in town, and a cart will, in theory, be meeting you to the north of the city.
1: So I turn to my watcher companions, and Delvin immediately becomes almost strategic in a manner that you haven't really seen him be and just walks up to them. <clears throat> All right, lads.
3: So, we do you proud, then?
1: That's right. Time for an illustrious career. So, we're heading north. Get yourselves ready. We've got about three hours till we set out, and I'd say a town that's just been struck by calamity is a town with plenty of places with, uh, you know, things worth robbing.
3: One of the fellows behind the supposed leader sort of says, you don't, you don't mean the barrows do. I've heard you talking about that. I had a cousin who went to the barrows once. Filthy short.
1: I just say, I do mean the barrows. The watch takes you where the watch takes you, mate. He
3: just, like, looks irritated.
1: If you you play your cards right... Oh,
3: shut up, it's better than the fucking forest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you play your cards right, your assignments won't be keeping you in the barrows. But that's where we're headed to lay low for a bit. Nowhere lower than Underground.
3: You seem like someone with long-term plans. What are your uh, What are your goals and aspirations, eh?
1: Get filthy rich Yeah
3: what do you What's the target
1: Mm, The target I don't know Live ripe old and happy Wouldn't mind toppling this kingdom While I'm at it but that's kind of Neither here nor there Why do you do what you do
3: Sometimes money's fun Sometimes killing's fun sometimes I don't have a choice alright and that's not very fun
1: so wouldn't your goal be get yourself to a place where you get to choose which one you
3: want to do and when and eventually do what you do own others well he's got his own token right hmm. yeah that's the psycho one yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the path of
1: many in the watch Now I can see it in
3: your future I can learn from you. I can see you're, uh, well-learned in ways that could quite help me.
1: And I'm sure I will. I said this is the start of a potentially long and illustrious career. So, I ain't shaking any of you loose if you don't want it. You're a free man, but you can come with us. Plenty of work to be done.
3: Are you being covert in any no. of this conversation?
1: Uh, covert as in like, we're in a discreet part of the room. Yeah, you're about to we'll, leave. I'd say if, if you're in a room. Amongst your group. If we're in a room and you're with Mikey doing stuff with the magic thing and okay. you're maybe talking with Misham or whatever, we're kind of just in the other corner of the room. You yeah. could hear us if you were listening to us, like if your conversation died down and you
3: listened. Okay. So we're not being extremely so covert. I'm going to just do a perception check for Mikey. Yep. Other end of the room. I'm just going to say, look, challengeable three. Mm-hmm. Okay. He doesn't seem to yep. hear it. You seem to have a private conversation. Cool. Sort of nods, licks his teeth. All right. Where are you men? Uh,
1: First stop would be trying to take stuff from... The guard will be helping those who are struggling, so I'd say go to the um, ruins of this prick and I'd just gesture to Ainsley first. There might be something worth something in the rubble, but other than that, find people who flee. People who are panicked and rich leave their doors unlocked. May as well fatten our pockets before we head north.
3: Okay. As you say that, I'm mm-hmm. going to get you to roll two checks. Mm-hmm. I want you to roll a perception check, yep. challenge level four. Then I'm going to get you to roll, if you choose to. Three successes. A magic check for your. Do you have. Do you recall. You've got no mana left. You've got no mana left. No, because I've hooked myself. yeah. Okay. Mm. It's all right. Okay. All right. The conversations wrap wrap up. And as they do. Everyone's consolidating their things and preparing to head off and go about their plans. At which point you notice that Ainsley is dead. It escaped your notice, but the position of his seating and the collar around his throat and arm had cut off his breathing in a way that in the last 15 minutes he'd sat without air. And his blue face is lilted sideways. As you notice this, you also instinctually feel an empty vessel that may have had its magic escape it in the last period of time.
1: So, here's the question. So, I can usually (coughs) sense traces of magic happening. And I know I can't prevent him from dying. But I have the capacity to push myself and potentially hurt myself to do magic. Yes. Can I feel it
3: escaping and try and like clutch at it desperately? I will allow it. Mm-hmm. But you can hurt yourself. Mm. Now, you have points of injury as I. Do I recall? I just don't. I, don't. Where oh, I have to? one level of injury from when okay. your
1: spike stabbed me. Okay. Through and ignored my this ally. is
3: not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. If you got a decent perception check, it would have been more doable. That's mm-hmm. three out of four. Yeah. Still failed, but it wasn't. He, died, he was role. dying in the corner of the room yeah, and it maybe. was slipping away. So that's you turn right. away sort of after his death and that's sort of like, it's, it's that, at that point where this unbonding of this shard within him is sort of happening. Mm-hmm. And you turn around kind of at the dregs in the, on the final end of that and you sense those final dregs sapping away out of his corpse and you can reach out and attempt this is going to be a tricky one. So you can reach out. Okay. <clears throat> here, okay. Mechanically, I'm open to, for discussion here because mm-hmm. I want it to feel fair and I haven't locked any of this in place. I think there should be two magic checks. I think sh- there should be one to find and hold mm-hmm. the the bond that has released. And I think there should be another one to transfer it to where you want it to go, whether it be within yourself or an item you hold. <clears throat>
1: But the level is equivalent to the like level, how much I can. I'm gonna snack. say
3: you're maximum gonna be able to grab one point of magic. Okay. Realistically. Just based on a critical fail with the destiny and a lost perception yeah, no, check. Yeah, That's fine. So <clears throat> you no, sense you dice. sense it. Yeah, you can you can roll one dice, you can stretch yourself twice, but you have to have two successes. Mm.
1: delvin a gambling man i, I realistically don't Del- have any
3: destiny points
1: no i spent yeah i think we all spent everything, spend everything. <laughs> um
2: oops. do i let it go uh, i think you can't have to but it's up to you
1: well let it go
3: what does delvin feel in yeah. that moment
1: desperation and anger so I, Delvin spins around and just like in a flash of not thinking, stretches out and I'm going to stretch myself. Means I roll one dice, yeah? Yep. Good luck. Go for it. Yeah! And hurt myself and, it, and, and suddenly like, just okay. in anger.
3: Now, you turn around in anger. You feel an emptiness of magic. You feel where it was and it's not there. And it's like you grab a sieve and you're like swiping through the air, through this energy to to catch something. And with whatever is left within you and then burning past that, you're reaching and you're breaking the very fibre of your soul as you yearn, you're screaming through the sphere of energy around you to find something. And you find these broken tethers, these leftover dregs of an escaped magical energy, this shattered shard that you grab like by the tip of your fingers and you're holding it. The equivalent of one point of magic. It's basically the same level of power that is in your ring and Mm -hmm. the same kind of power that is in your ring. Mm -hmm. And you're now holding it. And it's almost like a little bit like, you know, the Spider-Man scene where it's holding the two trains and it's it's like, it's that sort of level of tension that it takes for you to have found this and hold it and you're holding it but that's where you're at right now
1: okay so mechanically this is a boring thing to say mechanically the consequences of me failing another one dies are not that severe but Dalvin's not rational. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to roll my one more dice to put Mm. it... I think in the ring makes the most sense to have... Is -hmm. it like a skill point? Because the ring just has two mana. You would basically be turning a level one one ring ring.
3: to a level two
1: ring. Well, the ring is two mana but no skill points. (laughs) Oh, I see. So is this like a skill point into the thing or is it a third mana? This would be
3: a level three ring. So you'd be increasing the magical capacity of the ring. You need the skill not the ring.
1: But I can't get the skill is that right? You can get the skill. No, Can't you only have
3: one... You can only have magic within yourself.
1: Oh, but so I can train with the included. ring.
3: Okay. Yeah. I'm right. going to do it. And if I roll a one now, two or a three. Uh, just to sort of touch on what you said before about mechanically it maybe not being as much of a risk. I think there is a point to what you're saying. But at the same time, I think in the same way that a level two injury, if unaddressed, mm. can turn into a fatal injury. So it's, I think it's a similar thing, except it's a little less known. Okay. Uh, in terms of how one would recover from that, what the effect of that would be on you magically or under the surface, let alone physically.
1: I was going to say, if I roll under a four, mm. I have thoughts. Okay. Strong thoughts about a, about something that could happen to Delvin. All right. And I'll talk to you about it after.
3: Great. It'll be a fun but season two break chat. Grabbing
1: this, pull, pulls this energy, even though it's tearing him apart, because Delvin is very self-sacrificial gets a four. Okay. Oh. And with a strain of effort and... Oh, you fucking prick bastard! And pulls this energy in, into the ring. Mm-hmm. Or it can join its fellow
3: energy. What you do, you actually pull it back and it sort of tears through and, and you almost feel like the the most direct way to do this is to use Ainsley as like a filter because it came from him so you like you're pulling it back where it went you can feel the memory of this energy and it sort of siphons it's like an explosion that you're like no you fucking don't <laughs> and you like pull it back in and it's some of it the dregs of that explosion come in back into him and you tear it out of him and it comes resting within pulling within this, this energy
1: within the room all visual do people I'm, see at that? At this
3: point yes this energy that was invisibly moving throughout this space is torn through reality, back into where it wasn't expecting to go. And there is a pulse of light in this room as this wisp of bright smoke pulls back into, in this glowing, almost acidic colour, into Ainsley, through, pulling back and then into your hand. And then the room dims as your ring softly diminishes its glow.
1: And with a down-the-brow girl. Holy
3: shit, what was that? <laughs>
1: says one of the watchers. I pull out a knife and throw it at Ainsley.
2: <laughs> so it lands in him? Or, yeah, yeah, that's
1: the intent. Where are you aiming? Just anywhere. I'm not going for a good shot. Just a frustration like <laughs> just into his body. Just
3: thocks like right on the side of his head and <laughs> it lilt. Fucking prick bastard, fucking dying on me. Why is nobody watching him? I thought you wanted him dead, said Mikey sheepishly from the corner. I wanted him dead my way.
2: (laughs) I put my hand on Mikey's shoulder. And then I look at you and say, okay, it's fine.
0: I'm going to walk up to him. Me or Ainsley? Ainsley. Okay. Ainsley. And
1: grasp the
0: manacle like the the collar that's currently constricting him and just yank it off him it's mine and if it just so happens to like snap his arm or neck in the process
3: I'm okay with that yeah you feel bones definitely displace but all of his form holds in its place it's just sort of limpier and lumpier than before yeah. yeah
2: Um, Before you do this, I just should have taken Daler away, like just to she's hold a while. She's away. Asleep, She's fine. Okay.
3: Then I just. So, what's the plan from here? You all do your things, and we'll meet you north of the wall. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. See you in a few hours. And the three watches mm, was it three uh, three. Off one very evil, two seemed much nicer. <laughs> one of them talked like this. I like that one; he's my favorite.
1: <laughs> so uh I head over to. And- are you guys, what is what is Brick doing?
0: I just put my collar back on.
1: Okay, are you going anywhere? Or are you just staying?
0: Are you figures?
2: gonna talk to to Mission and? No, they left. Bash. Oh, did they? Oh,
1: yeah. We they left in the last episode,
2: we Aww. talked to head to Barrows. I liked yeah.
1: them. We said we'd meet them there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's move forward a little bit. I have one last thing, quick, that I yep. want to do. Go for it. I'd like to find Ainsley's watch brand. Okay. Hmm. Just curious.
3: So I'll, I'll
1: cut. I'll cut his clothes open and pull his clothes it's off. On his butt. I'll start in logical, calm places, like taking his top off. But I will continue to remove items until I find his brand.
3: Mm. In the middle of his upper back, mm-hmm. you see his watch brand. And inside of one of his rings is a. He is sort of like a screw mechanism. Mm -hmm. You can open that up and you also find his token within one of his larger rings with gems adorned on the top. You thought you were better than
1: us. You wanted to be your own king. And I'm going to say... Brick, you're still in the room. Brick, would you mind helping me take this lad up into the streets? We'll dump him in the alleyway where people piss. And when he gets found, at least he'll be remembered in disgrace. I acquiesce to his request.
3: As you go to do this, you also notice... Dariet sort of limply resting against his back as he'd been, you know, Ainsley it's been sorted out. So, what is the plan with Dariet? He's coming
1: with us. Okay. <laughs> as is
3: uh, Medela's. I aunt. think
1: at least I think we're taking the plan is to take <clears throat> everyone north to the Barrows, and then when we can kind of be like. <sighs> sleep in a good tavern, sl- like come out, settle out now. and then people can get to a safe place and sort of work out. Cause po- geopolitically, we don't know what's just happened as well. Yeah. So we kind of need to wait for like messages to start spreading around safety and, and just travel in a group protected together. And then yeah, yep. sort, sort us out.
3: Great. Oh yeah. So uh, Eladra is back at the shining, glimmering, glimmering flask, the, 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 the flask. Mm-hmm. tavern. Um, Who's going where? What are you doing? Go.
2: I am taking Mikey to go sort out his horse problems and his emotional problems um, and go see my dad and that's pretty much it for me. Okay.
3: Mikey's just super quiet. He's hiding any emotional problems.
2: Cool. Um, So while we're walking, I'm going to get my new little fairy friend to sit on his shoulder. Actually, I'm going to get it to, to dance around him and see if it catches his attention.
3: In the same way that you know when with a child you're like, Oh, I see a smile coming, mm. I see a little smoke coming like they in the end it all, you always win. There's something about the playfulness and the juxtaposition as you walk through the city that has fire in some various distances, a few random screams and a pillar of smoke off in the distance spy capital while the embers of the distant volcano in the mountain crown are are clearly visible. Mm. A little fae creature dancing on this little boy's shoulder. And you just see a a small tear roll down his cheek as he sort of shrugs a smile and starts, all right, stop it, okay. (laughs) And he sort of can't help but resist a little laugh. And then he just sort of stops and looks around, comes to for a moment sobers up and just keeps walking.
2: Hmm. Is everything okay?
3: <laughs> I don't think anything's ever gonna be okay ever again. Do you?
2: Well I think that we'll adapt. Things will change for the better, hopefully.
3: You know, I was worried he'd kill me. Tom I'm, I'm not now. I don't think I fucking deserve it, but I just wish he knew. I, I didn't know. Didn't know any better. I never did. And I do now, but it's too fucking late.
2: I think that Delvin has such high expectations of you that he cares. Of me? You're yeah. kidding. No, of course he does.
3: No, of course he. Not of course.
2: But that's why he cares. We all don't show it the same way.
3: I don't know how I can show it, but I, f- I feel the same way. just I've never cared about anyone in my whole life because no one's ever cared about me. P- Day one, how anyone stopped to give a second look at a street urchin, let alone take him on a ride and give him trust, show him some of the nicer things, give him a chance. I I don't understand it, but you did. And here I am, and and look what I've done with it. But I've never had a chance like that. I didn't know what to do with it. I thought they gave me a chance to, and it was before I really...
2: While he's sort of going on, I'm going to bend down to his level and I'm just going to immediately hug him. And then I'm going to, like, push him in front of me so he can see me eye, eye to eye, and I say... That we do care about you And we forgive you It's going to be okay
3: I don't know if I could feel that Unless he Unless he said it I appreciate it, I do But I know I pushed it too far I don't know. That, no, there's any coming back from it But I'll try I swear I'll try I believe you. I swear my life on it.
2: Well, why don't we go get your horse first thing?
3: Alright, let's do it. He sort of wipes... You know, his eyes on his sleeve and the head's off. um, It doesn't take a lot of figuring out. Basically, you just need to sort out some communication with some messages coming up, but also things are pretty congested at the moment, (laughs) so there's a little bit of a queue and a little bit of chaos, but also people are running around. So, look, I'm going to say it takes you about an hour, hour and a half of pulling some strings, lining up some messages and doing all that, but eventually you're going to be confident that there is going to be a pony sent up a barge north to a, a, a barrow in town and then transported to where you'll be staying. that is arranged and you'll have about an hour and a bit left to do what you need to do.
2: Cool.
3: What does Brick and Delvin do? Just organises things
1: tactically, sensibly, practically and lets uh, Catalina talk to her dad. Okay. Meditate.
3: Really? Tell me about your meditation, Brick.
0: I'm just processing a lot of the things... (laughs) That have happened, and I don't know how much do I say. Brick's a bit, a bit lost, it's a bit lost, right? He's no longer technically a servant of anyone, he's accepted his freedom, but now he's got to deal with like not having an objective, not having a purpose. So in discovering a purpose for himself, that's more or less, what he's working on like discovering a purpose for himself moving forward. Yeah. And I have an idea of what that wants to, what it, what it wants to be.
3: Okay. Yeah. So he comes to some sort of resolve as he yeah meditates. And,
0: and I'll wait till Dalvin gets back to okay. bring it up.
3: All right. So Brick meditates, organises his affairs. Meanwhile, Catalina arrives in the political district. The sun is rising at this point. Yep. Uh, not yet risen, but it's on mm-hmm. its way. And much like in episode one, in a city full of people packing their carts and preparing for how they're going to deal with their home amidst an apocalypse, there is a, an almost identical energy. It's something a little darker, a little more real. A little more all-encompassing as the city surrounds is surrounded by this distant volcano, this pillar of smoke from the capital, the war surely to come from Fulmore and the chaos from within. But you knock on the door, this old wooden door. It's a quiet building now. A lot of the lights are dimmed. <laughs> and it seems like there's a night watch person and sort of... Maybe a few early risers are starting to head about their things. There are a few confused-looking or questioning-looking people, but either people are somehow not awoken through the chaos or they've already left. Mm-hmm. There's not mm-hmm. much business that's going to happen in this building today. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So you're met at the door by a Phoenician, uh I'd say like a surf-type man who says, hello, uh, how is it that I can help you?
2: Um, I believe my father is here. Alistair?
3: Ah, yes, the refugee from the Watchwood. Mm. Yes, uh, I shall be back shortly. I'm sure you want to gather his things. Everyone is heading out this time.
2: Uh, yes, yeah.
3: Many affairs to take care of. He sort of wanders off. And, uh, not too long later, a, a very. Groggy looking, <laughs> Poor dad. star sort of wanders in, stumbles. He was fast asleep through all the chaos, oh, man. so he doesn't know. Oh, gosh. And it, like he just got back from all the, <laughs> all the you know, great trauma. So he was having the best sleep of his life in a long time, mm-hmm. and he wakes up. So uh, you have this odd brief moment in time where your father, for the second time, you see him again. Mm-hmm. He wanders up to you, and he seems completely oblivious to everything that's happening outside. Mm-hmm. And he looks at you, you're, you're covered in ash. You haven't had a chance to clean yourself up. You're, you know, there's, you're a bit bloodied and bruised. Yeah, you yeah. look like, you look like you've been up all night and fighting, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> amidst a crumbling building. And he looks shocked. Catalina, you've come to some harm. What's happened to you? Oh. And he starts like, he starts like handling your face and like reaches to your hands
2: no no I'm I'm perfectly fine.
3: And then all of a sudden he sees these pieces in your satchel and he pauses. Is that He pauses and he Is that the instrument?
2: Yes. Uh It was sacrificed, but it saved others. But And I kind of look around. Is anyone watching us? They're kind of busy doing their own thing right now. I'd
3: say you're effectively alone.
2: Great. But something wonderful has happened.
3: His eyes, as he looks up, uh, brimming with tears of sorrow, but then his confused look meets your eyes.
2: And I bring out the fairy.
3: And his eyes brighten with, make a perception check, Challengeable three. Challenge level two. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you get it. <laughs> familiarity. It's like five. There is there is an immediate sense of familiarity in your father's eyes. Oh, okay. He goes again. It. I thought it a dream, and yet here you are. <laughs> you- My dear. You're going to be, be very, very kindly looked after.
2: Do you know what this is?
3: I don't know if I could ever describe it, but you, you'll find it in due course. There are many stories from long, long ago. I know it mostly through old songs. Pieces of ancient wisdom and magic and harmony essences that connected with humanity to fill the needs and hopes and dreams that we had and have it's what I feel connects us in this unseen force and yet here it is seen I've never I've never seen her before but I know her she is the one who helped me when your mother's heart. And find my own. And his tears turn to tears of joy. As he clasps your hand mm. and says, It was far out of... hard, Too hard to keep in tune anyway. You deserve a much nicer one. It wasn't really the harp itself I treasured. It was... The story of how I got it and the things it brought to me that I truly treasure. And after all, nothing is lost, he says, Mm. and he embraces you. So where are you off to now, dear?
2: Uh, I believe we travel to the Barrows. There's, uh, and again, I kind of, like, just kind of be super secretive and just say, uh, we intend to meet with others that share the similar abilities. I think we plan to start a revolution, to be honest, or try and figure out what's happened, which you have no idea what's been going on, do you?
3: I'm very certain your mother will fill me in on everything, but...
2: Uh, just a word of caution. When you step out those doors, it's not pretty. A lot's happened. His
3: eyes dart to the windows and... You, you can see through the windows. It's not a normal morning. Yeah. <laughs> so he sort of like, he slowly nods. Good to know. I shall make haste in my plans and move swiftly. I assume that is something many people are doing, so... I will go about my business immediately. I I don't know if or when I will ever see you again, and it's been so long, but... I fear this is the path and I sh- sh- certainly hope that I'll diverge again soon.
2: I kind of bring, I bring out the fairy again and I say that if she is with me, then you are always with me too.
3: And he smiles and as, as you say this, she circles around him and you notice with your perception check, you got a good roll. You notice a sense of familiarity, you feel it actually within her, a sense of familiarity from her and you almost like a memory feel like maybe once she was his and it's it on at least under the surface it seems to make a little more sense. He did farewell yep. and uh, he with resolve in his step heads back to his sleeping quarters to gather his things and arrange his transport.
2: Cool. I'll take Mikey and we'll head off.
3: Hours pass as Brick and Delvin are astride each other, Uh, Medela still (laughs) fast asleep (laughs) in Brick's hands, Uh, striding through the city heading to the north wall. Um, I'm going to say at this point Catalina will be there with Mikey I'm gonna say Iladra is there also, and the watches are mm-hmm. sort of have already been tucked into the cart, and there is a large, lavish cart with one Russell at its helm.
2: Nice. Brick and
3: Delvin, any <laughs> Do you share of your thoughts upon <laughs> of your meditation? Brick
1: has extremely good perception. Brick just notices that and while they walk, there's like every now and then the soft tap of a drop of liquid hitting the ground. And when you like look and track the source, you can see Dalvin is like a shade paler than he usually is, and there's just like blood dripping from his nose slightly, but he's doesn't like wiped it or anything, he's just dripping. And he's got like kind of bloodshot, wild looking eyes.
0: You look like you could use some rest if you would like I will let you and I will lead in the cart of Elrinia to go.
1: Can't rest.
0: Are you going to be okay?
1: Doesn't matter.
2: Um, In the front of the cart where Russell's with the horses mm-hmm. is there extra seats.
3: Yeah, it's a large, it's like a multi, there's a couple of, uh, on the carriage, mm-hmm. there's like eight seats interior and eight oh. seats exterior. Oh, beautiful. So there's like multiple levels. Okay. <laughs> um, so Fantasy c- cart, I love it. No, 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 no. it's like, there, there's like two rows, I saw one yesterday. Ah. Two rows on the roof, one row on the back, one row on the front. And so like two people will horses? sit on the front, four can sit on the roof, two on the back. And eight in the interior. Jeez, so it's a large cart, interior exterior.
2: Um, Catalina, if Mikey is willing, will... She, I imagine they've been holding hands just to make sure they don't get lost in, in the bustle of the town. Mm. Um, and as we approach, um, she sees you two and kind of thinks, mm, this probably isn't a good time for Mikey to let his emotions go. So she's mm. going to put him on top of the carriage next to Russell because she knows how much he liked riding yep.
3: the carriage. Okay, cool. And she'll sit with him. And you're all lined up. The wagon is prepared and ready to go and I think due to a mix of delirium, trauma and (laughs) tiredness, there's not a lot of words that are exchanged as the cart swiftly sets off to the north with the sun rising to the far east. So the party heads off to the distance, to the northern mountains looming up ahead, the barrows. Snow still melting on their distant peaks for the current rising spring. But it's a long journey ahead. It's going to be a couple of days and it's probably all going to be on the road at least. It's going to be a reasonably comfortable one if people sleep in shifts. It's not <laughs> co- It's not large enough for everyone to sleep all at once, but soon enough, everyone sort of figures out the rotations. The most exhausted have already had a little bit of a sleep. So the next in line starts to figure out who goes next. But the beginning of the journey is... Mainly accompanied by an eerie silence and the distant future that is going to rest upon everyone in season two, (laughs) Uh, off in the uh, eastern and western southern horizons. I'm going to get you all to roll a perception check. Now, this is just to sort of count for the bits of information you may have gathered. Uh, through town as everyone did their packing past different groups of people what talk was said this is the first day this is after, this is basically counting for leaving okay Geldevale. so
1: I've got neg two yep I get three sixes I got
2: one one sixes
1: okay I'm pulling up my character
2: I'm very sleepy
1: <clears throat> you get to <laughs> <laughs> qu- success.
2: I win all success.
3: what's the change though? it's you get what Scale. you roll. Oh, okay Three, okay. Now I'm going to treat. Uh, I'm going to say Catalina's reasonably distracted, <laughs> probably probably by the yeah tiredness. Maybe you take that first shift yeah. of sleep. Sounds good. Um, Delvin, With your three? perception is going to be more based on your state mm-hmm. uh, after your magical sort of stretching. You are hypersensitive, like like you were in Ironspire. It's the mm-hmm. same sort of feeling. Different, it's, just, it's a little different because when you were in Iron Spire, you felt really close. It's almost like that loud bell. You were like, had the hangover with next to the loud noise and the bright light. This is a little different. It's like this nagging, draining, twinging pain, but it's far and wide. It's like you feel it coming from every direction in little ways, but specifically from the direction of the Iron Spire and the... Uh, coldish crown uh it's like an ache like a a tooth that needs to be pulled and it feels like it's coming from both of those directions i'm going to say that's what your perception would be and there there Mm -hmm. was probably just some talk you picked up of people who were talking about that that magic off in the distance different speculations nothing you picked up that was but you know you would deem as accurate Mm -hmm. A brick. Mm-hmm. As you were going about town, you packed up. You meditated, but in your meditative state, uh, unattached but aware of your surroundings. Um, you picked up on a little bit more dialogue. You heard various conversations about rumors that seem to have come to the fore. That must be true. The war that is coming from Fellmore. Um, you heard one person in particular say that they, they saw the distant banners and they were swearing it. You don't know if they were being honest or not. Um, but the word banners does strike you as a truth because you know how Fellmore march and it is with grandeur. The peacocks. Yeah. Another thing that struck you as interesting is the rumours and talks surrounding the Coldish Crown... And the fear associated with that, a lot of people talking about whether something uh, magic um, was coming from the explosion or caused it. If it was the King of Flames himself, if the beasts rumored to dwell in the mountains will come out on one side of the mountain or another. But that's certainly a more nuanced point of conversation that you have picked up from. The, a few less common people, probably more connected people. Mm-hmm. And they're, that, they're the little tidbits that you both sort of have from your leaving of the town. But time has passed. The sun is now high after quite a bit of time has passed. How do you imagine your characters spend the time on, on the journey for the next few days? Quietly. Take us through Delvin's mind state and uh... his mind state is currently unhinged
1: Mm -hmm. um, separated somewhat from his humanity um, and seething that he was denied his answers more than revenge with Ainsley Um, he's just kind of staring at Dariot, flicking a dagger between his fingers yeah rogue style and just pensive looking outside feeling the magic of the world and wondering why everything hurts not only
3: him but it feels like the world hurts speaking of daggers uh, and (laughs) Dariot, he's getting a lot of daggers from uh, his wife who is insisting on being in the carriage not uh, out of any sort of superiority but to separate from Dariot mm-hmm. who was tied up and at the back of the carriage mm-hmm. now Catalina in this long journey uh, I'm going to say that this essence this being mm-hmm. that floats around you you may want to name for season two sure. <laughs> um, it's nah, always nah, nah, or nah, maybe nah. it'll tell you its name who knows sure, sure, sure. Um, seems to be aware of Delvin's state even if you're not at a, at a point in time, it becomes apparent to you through this being uh, that there's an energy, there's an emotion being connected yeah. and it sort of brings it to your attention internally. So you become aware of this seething, this okay. anger, pain. How would you describe it?
1: And disconnection. Disconnection. That's, yeah, whenever he overstretches himself, his humanity is detached. Not necessarily detached fully, but he detaches... Like, it's like it's, it's, uh, it, it is at arm's length. He kind of doesn't feel connected to it.
2: Um, I think throughout the travel in Catalina's downtime, after she's obviously had a rest, I'm going to document everything that I find, like just to be like, if it does this, this happens. If I, you know, just all the experiments that she would run and just kind of be like, okay, cool, in better understanding how to sort of communicate and control it and be a part of it, blah, blah, blah. So... That being said, um, she's going to try and get it to move a bit closer to Delvin until, like, it will land on you unless you say something.
1: I can see this thing. Yes. Cool. And it floats closer to me. Delvin reaches out his hand slowly and with, like, a aggressive swatting grabbing motion, attempts to grab the incorporeal fey thing. You
3: entirely miss it. Mm-hmm.
1: Does it dodge or do I go through it?
3: You're not quite sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You do sort of sense like this. It's uncomfortable because of your state currently, how stretched you've been, but you feel this this connection uh, between it and, and Catalina and then also sense it's magic as you do that but also it's it's like you decided to stare into the sun after a hangover. So it's not Mm. feeling great, but at the same time, you know, you you feel like you can't impact it. Mm. um, But it does take pause. It seems to sort of stop in its little motion and tilt sideways in a way that seems to communicate curiosity or perhaps concern. sort of slows its floating and wanders gently back towards Catalina.
2: While this is happening, I don't make eye contact with you. I'm writing notes and just like, Hmm, interesting,
1: is that what I tore out of Ainsley then
2: mm-hmm. what do you mean?
1: <laughs> is that magic?
2: What this? Yes, perhaps
1: <laughs> cute well, that hurts. now look out the window. <laughs>
2: Okay. Catalina's not going to push it.
1: Dalvin's not going to be normal until he gets to recover.
2: Yeah, and I would say that Catalina has lost the ability that she used to, like before she would have just read your emotions, but she's not yeah. quite sure how to do that anymore, so.
1: And you've mm. got no mana. Correct. And I've got no mana. Correct. And I'm injured. <laughs> and we're very tired. Yeah. I'd say eventually, after sort of belligerently not, Dalvin mm. pushes himself into a corner up of the caravan, looks across at his brick close by, and yeah, so. kind of waits for you to make sure you're like fully aware. And I'd say, in a more um, self-conscious or or threatened way than he has before, sort of looks at you in the way that someone would look to like check um, that the door is locked, like that you you're a, you're a sort of a if you're awake and not resting. That's when he kind of nods a little and leans back to rest. So he's sort of seeing a, a sense of comfort in you being there and watching rather than uh, the opposite. But in a way that you haven't seen him need that before. Yeah. I would say if I'm aware of you
0: making this look, I would, I would intentionally perk up and be more on guard.
1: Cool. Yeah, And that's the point where Delvin gives the little head nod and then leans back and the eyes droop down. Yeah. Meanwhile, I,
3: the small figure of Medela... Has never left Brickside. She's had brief waking moments, but you can tell she's so exhausted, and she's been so you know deprived of any sort of comfort or you know social interaction. That um, for the brief moments that she's awake, she eats, she reaffirms that she's there, you're there, and she falls back to sleep. But after a long day's journey, uh, and as the town of Sograb off in the distance is arriving and the sun is starting to set and it's uh, clear the party's going to have to find some way to rest and head off early again the next day. Her energy is arriving back to her and she says, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. I've slept all day. But perhaps I'm experiencing a kind of tiredness I'd never have before. Thank you for coming back for me, Brick.
0: Thank you for believing that I would.
3: Your neck is skinnier than I remember. She reaches up and I like... I put my collar back on.
1: Oh, have oh. you? Yeah, back in the oh, house. Did. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, really she doesn't say that then. It's cute. I liked it. Yeah. It
3: so cute. she goes, you're wearing your... the makings of your old captivity. I liked your new look. It will be a captivity of my own choosing. So, what is Brick's plan, this new man of his own making?
0: I want to change the world.
3: Oh, starting small, I see. <laughs>
0: It will be a while yet, but I, I think we have found the people that can help me accomplish that. I think you're right.
3: And what would Brick's world look like? Just to refresh my memory, I don't think. That, was Medela there in the conversation when people were talking about the world in their own, like, of their making? I don't think she was. I think it was Mikey and game so I don't think she's
2: actually had that she
1: hasn't really been privy to all of our plan
3: stuff I just think there was an NPC party like conversation about Mm. like how you would change the world Mm. so just wondering anyway she says that it will be a world untethered I like that there are far too many shackles the world as it stands and perhaps this very odd group can unshackle at least one thing at a time as you have unshackled me and perhaps I you
0: rest now little one
3: your body needs it as you say that she's yawning already (laughs) and the tiredness overcomes her and I'm going to fast-track through the evening you arrive. It's a fairly stock-standard sort of uh, half-barrow in town, reasonably uh, looked over by the Iron Guard, uh, grey guard. Everyone just finds an inn, rests. There's minimal conversation. People are just about recovering. I'm also just going to, for the benefit of <laughs> role play and uh, wrapping up our epilogue, just say that through the course of the next couple of days and the brief travels, that everyone will just recover enough to feel like they can have our final levels of interaction before we close mm-hmm. season one. On day three of our journey, as we're a few hours away from Rafton, <coughs> the outskirt True Barrowin town, uh, surface dwelling town, but I would say the entryway to the True Barrows that and the journey that lies ahead. As, as it approaches and it's clear that the journey's coming to an end, It's clear to Delvin that Mikey's sort of looking more and more agitated, like he's trying to pluck up the courage, but he's just, unlike you've ever seen him before, been silent and uh, quiet and on his own the whole journey, day and night. And eventually, like he's sort of (laughs) experiencing an out-of-body moment, he sort of gently climbs... Over the to the back of the carriage where you're sort of sitting at the top back of the carriage, and sits next to you in an empty seat. Who else is there? Dariot is behind you both. Is he conscious? He's tied up. His I'm gonna they look, miss,
1: I'm, Whatever they put in him. Yes. Yeah, no. Up. No. He
3: has come in and out of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. That's what I was looking for. He's awake. That. <laughs> okay. What was it? What were you going to suggest? Oh,
1: no, I just didn't. I, you just rolled a one. He just rolled a one. on the rolled Yeah. I,
3: I just saw that. I'm like, uh-oh. It's dead. <laughs> That's all. It was just... Uh, he's, he's not fucking dead, is he? It's not necessarily like it would be... It's catastrophic for you, but uh, it's probably, you know, less oh, comfortable. comfortable or inconvenient. Cool. So he's just awake and it's just watching mm-hmm. off into the distance. He's not participating. Mm-hmm. Um, He's avoiding participation <laughs> at all costs. Uh, other than that, I'm going to say Brick and Medela are in the carriage. Catalina's probably at the front next to...
2: Russ. Russell. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh,
3: and I'm going to say that the Watchers are probably in the carriage too. So Playing a game of cards. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so is Eladra. Cool. She's playing the game of cards. No, she's in the back of the carriage. Between, <laughs> so you and Medela are between the Watchers and Iladra. Mm. So you're sort of like keeping an eye over everything. Yep. Cool. And uh, Mikey looks really agitated, uh, like nervous. He looks really, really nervous. I, I don't know what I could possibly say about any of all that, but... i just got to start. I just, I can't, I can't live with myself anymore. What will you have me do? Whether it be disappear for good from everyone or, you know, follow your orders till the end of my days. If you want me to, I don't know, I won't, I won't complain anymore I won't buck against it I I just I want to make it right and I did you wrong and I didn't I didn't know what I was doing
1: well the first thing you can do Mm. is tell me what happened because I
3: don't think you've told anyone yet alright I'm an open book. You get nothing but truth from me from now on, I promise. I swear. The night that you all went and had that meeting, I had a feeling something funny was going on with the room. The walls were thicker in weird places. I'd seen that sort of thing before. So I went out to sort of get fresh air. Followed your tracks because I was curious where you all went. And climbed the funny looking buildings because I know they seem sort of fun. Never had that sort of challenge before, real tall ones. Eventually, I saw through the windows and figured out where you were. Lovely looking mill. But I gathered there were some interesting dealings. I couldn't quite get a handle on it. Then, when I thought I was spotted, I ran back. I'm one of Ainsley's. The shadowers have come to call her. She walked in in the middle of the night, woke me from my sleep with a bag of gold bigger than I've seen in my entire life. She told me what I thought were truths of the deal that you had with this this man and, and offered for me to be a, well, in hindsight, an agent against you. Not hindsight, I agreed to it at the time. I've never had loyalty before, and I didn't know it until the coming days after that. But I, I agreed, made a promise that I'd get them as much information as I could, and they promised they'd give me all the gold I could ever want. It was only too later that I it was too late to realise I didn't want it. I just wanted the friends.
1: So, how did you give them the information?
3: The shadow. She she touched base with me in the evenings. I never knew when to expect it. The only information I could gather and give them was... They wanted to know about the magic that the group had. I recall... I recall trying to listen in to some of the conversations you had when you thought I wasn't. And uh, I started to figure out that ring thing that you were passing around and Catalina's art... Which I also saw her play and felt a bit of it. I told him that much. He demanded more detail, and by the time I had more, I I refused to give it. And that was the day. Uh, that was the day you all left, and uh, I was in town sorting my things out, ready to follow behind, and that's when I was bagged and taken away.
1: And you didn't think, perhaps, that your betrayal would be met with frustration on the part of the Shadow?
3: I've never dealt with anything like that before in my life. I've always just done what I felt like and got away with it, you know? It's frustrating,
1: actually, because had you just betrayed her to us, we would have been able to deal with her a long time ago.
3: I was following... The wrong trail, the wrong motivation Big bag of gold looks mighty bigger with little eyes like mine And, you know, they, you know Keep in mind, this is the first few days we knew each other I'd never, never had a meal like I had that day Let alone the, the gold that was shown to me And, it, it, you know took the next few days for me to realise who was the ones to be trusted And...
1: What did they do to you when they found out?
3: He takes a deep breath. The fat man, he said that it would benefit me that this is how you get the gold and he pulls his shirt to his side and you see a watcher brand on his chest. He didn't explain a lot, but I know enough to know it ain't good. I don't even know what it means now that the whole building fell apart. Mikey, how old are you? Fifteen, I think. Never had a mum to tell me when my birthday was, so...
1: You're neither worthy of owning... Or worthy of being owned. I never know what you're talking about. And you're a child. That brand shouldn't touch your flesh until you're at least 16.
3: I honestly didn't want it to touch my flesh when it did, so...
1: As far as I'm concerned, you can't force someone into the watch. So you ain't a watcher. You're
3: too young, anyway. But you—you you are one, eh? Like I've—I've I've seen how you talk to them, and I've overheard enough to know. I mean, I am. Ainsley said as much, so. I mean, it's on me now. For what now.
1: If, Do you want to be a watcher, or do you
3: want to be free? Uh you recognise on his chest the symbols of the token mm. match one of the ones mm. that was collected. I had so a feeling. you have his token. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what it means to be honest. Uh what do I want? Fuck it, I want to mean something. And I don't know what <sighs> I don't know what that means. I'm fifteen, but I know what you can do. I know what I know I need to make it right I know I know I trust your friends and I know I trust you lot to actually make a difference and if being owned, being a watcher means I can help that then then yeah, maybe I do
1: I don't think that you should jump from one set of Bond's to another. Mikey, I forgive you. I would have done exactly the same thing if I was in your position, except I wouldn't have been so fucking dumb on the other end of it. Didn't know us for a bar of soap. You're a kid. And you got offered more money than you'd ever seen. Of course, you did what you did. You're a kid.
3: Before you finish talking, he's flung his arms around you. And sort of hard to tell. You don't even know if he's Mm -hmm. sobbing or giggling or not making any reaction, but he's just tightly gripping you.
1: I just let him, but don't reciprocate. Just sort of that sitting firmly still.
3: And then after a little too long of a moment, he sort of like, (coughs) he sort of sits back, brushes himself off. Right then. um, Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Like maybe, uh, you know... Well, what do you think, boss?
1: I think... When we get to the barrows... I've got a little friend I need to catch up with. And I'm thinking... And I pull out my knife... I've got half a mind... To carve that thing straight off your chest. Because... I happen to know someone who can make that wound go away. There's never been a chance at getting out of the watch like this. And if in a year you still want it,
3: I'll do it the right way. You know what? I trust your judgment. And he's just holding his shirt open. Not here.
1: Only if the little lad can get it done. But, um... Remember that is a death sentence you wear on your chest until then. It's not a good thing to be in a watch, Mikey. It's a cool scar, though. (laughs) He sort of chuckles. You learn more cool scars if you want to live life doing the right thing. I want you to think about our group and remember that I'm not person you should look up to and I nod to the front of the cart. there's two people up there that are worthy of looking up to is that Captain and Catalina Brick's a bit like you he's never known a different way of living and he's done as much bad shit as I have if not more and I'm beyond saving and certainly well I can teach you stuff Don't try and be like me. It's for people like you that people like me do what we do. So you don't have to be like me.
3: Why do you... Why, after all that I've done, would you say something like that as if I'm worth protecting?
1: Because... I was a kid once in a dark place doing bad shit and someone a bit older than me with a cheeky smile and more than a few lives snuffed out found me and taught me that even in the darkest places there are different ways of doing things there are ways to help yourself and help others by doing it so I guess I'm just returning the favour old Edgar gave to me
3: And on that note, our party, a broken group of traumatised individuals, head off to the barrows and arrive at Rafton. Who knows what lies ahead of them, but we'll find out in season two, book two, whatever you want to call it. They're bound to be dark places.
1: Like the slapping of (laughs) Dariot.
3: But it, it is just through that darkness that our party will potentially be able to unshackle and bring some light to the world of Sunder. The end of season one, yay. again, <laughs> yay! The end of season one epilogue. Yay. Let's do a Patreon scroll that we wee. can't read. That we can't. That's okay. Read. We know it's there in Wait. spirit. No, that's not true. You can that's read it. I you got to read it all. I'll bring it. <laughs> no, we're going to share it. I'll bring it up, and also. Uh, aside from thanking our patrons, thank you everyone who gets the poster. It's a huge support uh, and it is only available for a limited time. Links in the description. We'll hand sign them and they're also available unsigned from our Teespring. The, tier, the patron scroll is coming up. Wait for it. Ready, ready, ready. Is it going to be super special The speed? last thank you for the Haitians, probably <laughs> for season one of Iron Spa. Uh Or it's... Ah! There, there, we are. Are. there we go. There we are. Thank you. Don't forget to follow Narrated Dave on Twitter. Um,
2: <laughs> the Dark Fox. It's oh, like wow. a resurgence.
3: I like, know. It's like, 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 like this one body next nightshade. nightshade. Hell yeah! Yel Hadrian.
1: AJ hey, Macy. That was like a, <laughs> yeah. a weird reboot. It was like the first ever role play. Like time.
3: patron, thank you. Show. Uh,
1: don't bother. <laughs> my my app crashes every time I try and open it, so I can't even use it.
3: <laughs> thank you all so much. Mm. This is fun, and uh, I'm so looking forward to a reboot. So. Iron Spire is as of now officially tucked away in a little box. I'm
2: glad we oh, did that. That God, was just really That nice. was fun.
3: It was a nice bit of closure yeah. in a few ways. Nice last little visit to our characters before we uh yeah. we pack them up. Nice. Like Yay! Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we become freedom fighters, right? Yeah.
1: Dude, I have so oh, many plans. If
2: Catalina wasn't political before, she
1: is now. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a whole thing. There's a whole season two mini plot that I want to force. I mean, convince. I mean. (laughs) Do
3: you mean in season two? It involves the giant. The quest of the giant sharpies. (laughs) Catalina! Oh no! It's crushing you! No! You will be destroyed by the Goldman.
0: (laughs) It comes to ruin your paint job.
3: Yeah, I don't know if minis in season two of Reboot is going to make things much more epic or so much more immature. (laughs) But join us and find out. Thank you all so much for watching.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.